We're just going to go for it. We got no idea, no topic. We barely had any pre-discussion. <laughs> everybody was like looking at their screens and doing their own things, and myself included. So we're just going to go for it. A Don't lot can happen. Me. Don't scold me, Bob. Hey, I'm not scolding you. <laughs> You're an adult. You're guilty. way older than I am. <laughs> I am. I'll say that every chance I can. How you guys doing? I'm doing pretty good. <clears throat> pretty, pretty, pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> cool. I'm doing all right. I'm jamming. I'm jamming. I'm I got a I got a weird comment stuff. the other day of uh, somebody they didn't like when my voice goes real high when I talk in my videos. Well, that's so a nice thing to say to somebody. Do a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> what a weird thing to say to somebody. Yeah, they're like, oh, I like your videos. I just don't like it when your voice goes up to that higher pitch. <laughs> I'm I just still hate gonna it when you though. talk. <laughs> yeah, I hate it when you talk. Yeah. Oh man. Huh. Like oh. That's Thank crazy. you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what have you guys been up to, David? What have you been doing? Reading comments. Reading lots of comments. <laughs> uh, this week we started doing uh, an IKEA hack, and we we got this metal cabinet uh, from IKEA, and. Uh, a couple nights ago, I just sat it on the bench and I just stared at it until something something came to mind. And so we started to we cut some pieces off and then added like a wooden frame to it. And I can't give away too much, but um, I think we completely transformed this metal IKEA cabinet into uh, a nice piece of furniture. It's not completely done yet, and the video won't be out probably until a week from Sunday, but. I'm pretty pretty darn happy with it. That's cool. Pretty, oh, interesting. Well, now you got my curiosity peaked. Yeah. Pretty uh, <laughs> pretty. Um, there's a lot of IKEA hacks out there, and but they're all like you know cutesy little DIY things. I think this one's a complete transformation. So. Hmm. Yeah. Nice. You put wheels on it. I, like I, make, I make it into a go kart. <laughs> the oh. fo- well. I thought about putting wheels on it and then making it into like um like a like a whiskey cart because it, it's kind of hmm. how it came out. Um, I don't know that I want it to be that. So there's still time. A lot can happen. Just like just like today's podcast, a lot can happen. You know, it's <laughs> it's never too late to put wheels on something. Right. You know. You are one hundred percent correct. Say. Yeah, yeah. When in doubt, put wheels on it. That's right. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Cool. That's what I've been are doing. You, speaking of wheels, um, are you still doing go kart stuff? We have not I talked. Haven't, I haven't heard from go kart things from you about go kart things in a long time. Yeah, uh, dealing with a pinch nerve, and I just oh, I'm not again. ready yet. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, oldness hitting me pretty good um i'm i feel 100 right now i could probably race uh i just i'm scared i'm scared i'm gonna do it again because it it's not a thing that just goes away in a few days it it lingers for a long time so Hmm. i should probably just be healthier do my stretches go out for more walks and runs and bike rides and stuff have we talked about yoga? I know we've talked about like health stuff. And no, stre- and I am not opposed to yoga. Um, it looks difficult. Can I give you my experience? Please. Okay. Not trying to push this on anybody, but I had a lot of back problems. I've had a lot of back problems like most of my life. 
pains and pinched nerves and muscles that locked up for days on end and stuff like that. And when you guys were here, you remember like I could stand up and I couldn't really sit down. Like I couldn't get in a car to go with you to see the office. That it was, that's how bad it was. So after that, the doctor was telling me different things. And she was like, basically, if your body is beginning to do that, if you're getting old enough that your body does that lockup thing or pinching a nerve, it's going to do it again. And so it's going to keep happening. You just have to figure out the best way to get your body to release that stuff if a muscle is locked or something. Um, and so she recommended a few stretches. And then I started looking into those stretches. Turned out they were yoga stretches that were part of like a bigger set of things to do. So I eventually downloaded this app that I wish was sponsoring, but they're not called Asana Rebel. And it's basically like a workout app, but it's for yoga. And turns out yoga is really hard. <laughs> like <laughs> it's one of those things that at least, you know, 10, 15 years ago got thrown around as like, it's a, it's a, like a, a chill way to just spend your morning in the quiet with other people. It's not that at all. It's hard, very hard body work, weight work, stretching in weird ways that you're not used to stretching. But, and I've been, I've been enjoying it. So I've mixed that into, I run a little bit less than I used to, but now I do yoga a few times a week to kind of stretch out. And it's really, really helped my back not hurt as much, but also when it hurts, it's helped me to stretch out the stuff to make it hurt hmm. for a shorter amount of time. Yeah. And it's so weird. One of the things that I learned that is like the simplest thing that everybody should just know, it's called a forward fold. And you basically stand up straight and you roll your head down and you fold yourself in half, not pivoting at your waist, you know, like folding in the middle, but you try your best as you, I mean, you can't actually do this, but you try to roll your body down forward. Let all of your, you do it slowly. You let all of your vertebrae try to move independently. Like I said, mm -hmm. you can't actually do that, but you, you think about it that way. So you roll all the way down, see how far down you can go to touch the floor. And the first time I do it every day, I can get like, my fingertips on the floor and then you roll back up and then you roll down again. And when you go down again, the second time I can get my palms on the floor. It's crazy. Hmm. And it, you can feel it. You feel stuff like loosen up and release. And anytime, especially in the mornings, but anytime that I'm feeling like tight in my back, I'll just like take a minute, roll down, touch the floor, roll back up, back down again. And I can feel things to immediately start to feel better. All that to say, uh, yoga is hard work. It is a workout and builds a lot of muscle that you don't expect, but it's also a great way to stretch out stuff that you don't know how to stretch otherwise. So I would highly recommend it to anyone. How many pairs of yoga pants do I need? Uh, you, you start out with 10. That's the starter kit. <laughs> and, and none of them are black. So like the black is once you've leveled up. So you start out with <laughs> yeah, you start out with like the pink, red. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it's like belts. Yeah. So don't start with black because then you're just a poser. Like it, right. you look like you're like a yoga person, and you're yeah. not. Everybody can tell and stuff. So I'm just kidding. Um, yeah. The only thing you really need, and it's weird. We already had these because Jenny's done yoga for years. Is a yoga mat. Mm -hmm. We have those. Pretty inexpensive. I've but never used them, but we have those. Yeah. <laughs> They're good for putting over other things that are dirty on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> we use it as an entrance map, uh, map yeah. to our house. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I would recommend it though. Seriously, it, it being able, just knowing how to stretch out a few different parts of your back 
as a an older person, man, I don't know if it's just men or women or what, but as you get older, like that back is problematic. So being able to stretch it out is big. I don't know if that would affect your shoulder. I have no clue, but it, uh, yeah. So the first time that I had the pinched nerve, that was the absolute worst. Cause that was six months of recovery. And I think like 15 or 16 sessions with a um, physical therapist. This time I went to a chiropractor uh, and I, uh, the stretches that they give you at home um, are pretty much the same between the chiropractor and the, and the physical therapist. And in that world, those two uh, occupations are um, butt heads, like physical therapists, you know, do not uh, typically do not recommend going to a chiropractor and whatever. Um, both were helpful. And I think because I tried to nip it in the bud, right away i only had a few weeks of recovery instead but i really enjoyed going to the chiropractor just for the the adjustment that crack the back and the neck it's it's a little if you've not done it and they they snap your neck real quick it's it's a little scary but when i walk out i just feel so good i'll, I'll weigh in on that i hate that oh you <laughs> hate I that would ne- i don't like yeah, i don't like chiropractors when you do that i see people. Um, my buddy is a chiropractor and i would never let him touch me mm, i watch wow. him touch other people and i said you know i know me. some people enjoy it but man i've been i went to like when i was having back problems a while back i was finally broke down i'm like sure i'll try a chiropractor not a big fan i'll just be honest i'm not a big fan of them and i went like twice and the dude yanks my neck around and it makes me feel like i'm about to die and i don't want to do that so i didn't go back um but that guy did recommend this was years ago he recommended a youtube channel that does yoga stretches and so it's a free you know whereas the app that i'm using is a paid app and stuff yoga with adrian i just looked it up a d r i e n e i'll put a link to it i've only watched a couple of her videos but she does have some really good stretches it's all free it's all on youtube so i'll put that down in the show notes if that's helpful speaking of somebody of youtube um, so one of my, one of the channels that I've subscribed to a while, and I think I recommended them a couple of years ago, it's called Bob and Brad and they, um, they're physical therapists and they have, a uh, lots of great stretches and, um, foot pain and back pain and neck pain and, and stuff like that. And unfortunately one of them developed, uh, shoot, I forget what it's called, but he had to step back from the, the channel because he couldn't talk clear anymore oh, and uh oh i wish i could i'm gonna try to speak intelligently here so <laughs> that's he, a podcast you don't have he, to do that <laughs> uh so bob uh uh ta- ataxia so and it affects his speech and so he had to step back and have somebody else coming in in the place and it's just a really re- i'm gonna Maybe this is my pick of the week. I'm going to pick Bob and mm. Brad because there's lots of good stretches for old people like us. <laughs> yeah. Bobandbrad.com. Bob and Brad. Yeah. And I kinda, should get a they, domain like that and just pick a random name as yeah. my buddy. <laughs> they have the best opening jingle out of any YouTube channel in the world. But, like, I, I'm not going to sing it, but it's mm. really, really good and it's going to be worth your time because you'll be. Wow. You'll be singing it at the grocery store later. <laughs> cool. Well, Jimmy, what have you been doing? I'm just doing stretching. Some, like, <clears throat> a little bit. I try. I have to because I, when I was doing the bicycle, 
when you were well, doing the bicycle no, no no i'm doing the bicycle when i began okay. doing the bicycle I, I to be perfectly honest since the winter is ended and spring is here summer's here i'm so much busier it's hard to keep a regular schedule so i'm like if you look at my sketch you could see it publicly you'll see i'm on the bike for two days then i'm off for three days and i'm on for three days and i'm on for one day off for one day it's been really mm -hmm. tough and i've had visitors here and so i i got uh Today, I'll, I'll get three days in a row. It's hard. I was doing it every single day up until I started traveling. And then that just always throws off your schedule. But I am doing at least three to four days a week, every night if possible. But because of logistics and people being here and whatnot, it's been tough. But I'm not giving up. But I need to stretch because in the beginning, I wasn't stretching. And I was getting these incredibly painful muscle pulls. Well, I'm in the middle of just doing something else. All of a sudden, it feels like somebody's poking the back of my calf with an ice pick and the pain is just incredible and you have to stand up and you feel your your legs crunching up and everything but um it's it's definitely important to stretch as you get older i need to do it more often like that that roll thing you described they definitely need to do that because sometimes things fall on the floor and i just go i guess i didn't need that and i just like kick it until <laughs> that's where that lives now <laughs> <laughs> yeah i guess that's just going to be on the floor from now on uh, it's it's been it's definitely you get achy especially when you spend days moving around a lot a couple weeks ago we moved all the printing presses and the day after i just was really tight oh up. i bet it wasn't in pain it was just you just felt the pain you just felt the the tightness from having moved so much yeah it doesn't get easier as you get older i'll tell you that much but you know, I, and know I think when it, keeping moving what, is really important when you stop yeah, moving that's when i think one of the hard things where like the place I'm at, as physical stuff becomes more difficult and, you know, you're sore, you're sore longer after, I kind of imagine that that's the place where people either, I don't know if they implicitly decide this or explicitly, but you either go like, okay, well, that means I'm just going to do less from now on, or it means I'm going to figure out a way to continue to do what I do and recover faster or you know, be smarter about those movements. And it feels like that's kind of a point in your life where you, like you set your trajectory for how active you're going to be in your older years. Maybe I'm thinking too much about that, but I've had to look at, like I hurt my ankle uh, on Easter playing kickball with my kids and it still hurts. That was a couple months ago. And so my internal reaction to that is like, okay, does that mean I just don't do things like that anymore? Or do I figure out how to do them more safely or do I just deal with the fact that I'm going to have things that hurt forever and go hard on things anyway? You know, you can kind of decide how that goes. I, I mean, have you all run into that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What I did you decide to do? I try not to do that again. You know, like the doctor says, you go, doctor, every time I, I uh, what's the joke? <laughs> every time I take a sip of coffee, I feel a pain in my left eye. He said, take the spoon out of the coffee. Did you hear that one? <laughs> this is new to me. Or when, or when, <laughs> or when, the doc, when you tell the doctor, it hurts when I do this, and the doctor says, well, then don't do that. Like, okay, that's yeah. a good idea. Yeah. But see, if that's the thing, if the answer is don't do that anymore, then that's you're just no. creating a list of things that you're not going to do. I'm being you know? silly. But no, I yeah. just, just got to exercise and keep active. I notice that at my age, the more active I am, the less I feel the impending doom of old age <laughs> but when you stop moving around and when you get sedentary it's that's when you start to not want to move 
It's mm. almost like it's like the, the laws of motion. Bodies in motion, stay in motion. If you stop moving, I know in the middle of the day, I usually take a break at like four o'clock to stop and check emails and maybe have a bite to eat. That tends to be kind of my lunch window. And right there, it's harder to keep moving. So sometimes if I have momentum on a project and three, four o'clock rolls around, I just keep going because I know if I stop, then I'm going to get lazy and I'm just going to sit down for a minute, then I'm going to talk on the phone and someone's going to visit and then forget it. And then all of a sudden, four o'clock rolls into to eight, nine o'clock, and then I go back out in the shop at night. Hmm. I do that anyway, but it's nice to keep moving and getting things done. My grandpa's, definitely, need, definitely need to stretch more. My grandpa's phrase is keep moving. That's just what he says all the time. Yeah. He's going to be 101 years old next month. That's unbelievable. He has slowed way down, unfortunately, and he stopped making the crosses a few weeks ago, and he sold his truck. This has all happened in the past oh. few months. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's and it was. It's been obvious. Like he's 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 tired now. Yeah. Yeah, that happens. I mean, and, and no matter how much you want to fight against it, eventually we all get tired. <laughs> yeah, know, we all get tired. Yeah. Yeah, my dad's 83, and uh, he's definitely slowing down. Definitely. We're going to hang out with him this weekend for Father's Day, but he had a double knee replacement about 20 years ago, and that slowed him down a little bit, but now old age is definitely slowing him down. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's what happens. He knows it yep. too, and he, you know, he's like, I can't do that anymore. You want that? He used to be very possessive about his stuff. He's like, you want that? Take it. But I'm never going to use it again. And he's starting to get into that, that headspace. Mm. Yeah, when I was over at Grandpa's last weekend, there's just this random like painting on the wall, like a fake painting, and he's like, you want that? <laughs> and I knew what that meant, and I was just like, yeah, I'll, I'll yeah. take that. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah happens yeah i mean can't stop the I, clock. we all are on every end of that conversation eventually we will be the ones that are trying to give away our stuff too because we know we don't need it <laughs> i think we should do it on the podcast oh okay yeah. just to each other just here <laughs> sure, you want this band sure. off <laughs> we, you know how many episodes that would take oh my goodness just bandsaw transfer <laughs> car transfer <laughs> Rob, somebody asked me this week how many Land Rovers you have. And I said, it's just two, right? I have zero Land Rovers. Mm -hmm. I have two Land Rovers. That's offensive. It is. (laughs) That's offensive. Uh, He froze up. He just hung up on us. Oh, you did freeze. I did? I really? Yeah. Yeah. So what do you have? Range Rovers? Not Range Rovers, not Land Rovers, but... Land Cruisers. Toyotas. Oh, my God. Yes, three? I always thought there was only two. No, there are two. (laughs) Where'd you hear three? No, no. Three categories of the same name. Well, Land Rover, Range Rover, and Land Cruiser. Ran- I, Range Rover is a model of Land Rover. Wait, so you have Land Rovers? What do you have? No. Oh, my goodness. You're like my kids. <laughs> I, I have a Toyota Land Cruiser. Cruiser? Land Cruiser? There is a separate vehicle that's called a Land Rover Range Rover. Oh, and so yes, those, that's a dumb combination so the, of names, and you should tell them that. But so not. there is only two that have a confusing There's, similar name. Yeah. Three, but two are in the same company. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, you have the brands. You have Land Rover and Toyota, Toyota. right? The Toyota has the Land Cruiser. Land Rover has a Range Rover and a Defender. Those are the two like big off-road vehicles that they have. Oh boy! The rest of them just. But you only have two physically vehicles that have a name that's similar to one of those names. <laughs> yes, that's good. that's a good way to put it. Yeah. 
That's this what is I said. what happens Someone when we don't you. have a topic. Yeah. Somebody, somebody suggested you had like four or five. I'm like, no, he only has two. No. I have those two, and then I have the gear. Yeah. That's it. You have like three Speaking gears, of, right? I have eight gears. They're all stacked on top of each other. <laughs> no, uh, the gear, I, I, you haven't even said what you were working on this week, but I'm going to jump in anyway. The gear, um, I started doing body filler on one side of it this week. It's like actually better than it was Is it looking good? I mean, no, it looks terrible, but it's that's how it has to go before it gets. But it was really cool because the this one big section of the side where there's lots of like, you know, the the rust where it ate into it, so it's textured. It's not gone yeah. all the way through, but you know, right. it's not smooth. Um, just man, ten minutes of work fills that up and gets it, yeah. you know, sandable. Then there's a bunch of sanding and stuff. But it's yeah. just amazing when. Something that has been a little spot that has been ugly and problematic for several years now, all of a sudden is better. Yeah. And then you just move on to the next one. And all of a sudden it's better. And it's, that's really, really cool. <laughs> it feels good, you know? That's good. You feel progress. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Anyway, so what have you been working on? What were you? Well, you this week to? I had visitors, and a lot of people on Instagram might have seen. I had Corin from uh, Australia and Neil Pasks from Pask Makes come oh. came and spent the. Yeah. They got in Wednesday. They left Sunday. So we had a really, really good few days in the machine shop. And it's funny because. Corin's very, very specialized knife maker machinist and knows a lot about a lot of things. And we, he, I, I had this old Starrett hardness tester. It's old to me now, but I bought it brand new. Well, they gave it to me because I work with Starrett. So Starrett gave me this hardness tester, which is a several thousand dollar machine. And I never got it working. I thought it was broken. It came on a pallet and the parts inside were a little jumbled. It came from far away. And he walked in my shop. He hadn't been here for like 20 minutes. I was showing him around and he goes, I could fix that for you. And then about an hour later, I got a long phone call and I came in and he had it all. He took it. He just took the time to go out there and work on it, get it fixed. And and then we were joking about how uh, I have all this scrambly machinery around that needs help. Everything needs a little attention, right? Everything pretty much works. But then my lathe, the next day is like, what are we doing? We're not going to stand around here and do nothing. We got to make something. So Neil and Corin helped me get the go-kart. I had just started it the day before they got there. So the go-kart was on the, the workbench and we jumped in. I told them I needed bushings and then the lathe was having problems. So they took the lathe completely apart and got that fixed. It took a little bit, a couple trial and errors till we realized what we were all doing wrong. And my friend told me. And then, so we got the lathe fixed and then it was all hands on deck, just working on the go-kart, which I did not plan on doing, but I'm really glad we did because we've gotten so far along. And Neil is amazing. If you don't, Neil's my recommendation this week. Neil Pask, if you don't know Pask makes, you got to check him out. He does great stuff. And just his curiosity is amazing. He just has the curiosity of a child and just curious about machines and materials and metals. And he made a couple of brass accents for the go-kart, including the fenders. The go-kart's got this kind of like turn of the century first kind of car ever existence kind of look with like a wooden deck we're going to put wooden planks on the deck hmm. and so each wheel has its own little fender and i had this big tube of brass so we cut this tube of brass and cut it into four sections so i have these long curves They're just so it's like three inches wide by 15 inches long with a curve in it on the on the short direction so now how do you curve that so it's curved all the way like the fender on a motorcycle. And that's what we basically made. And we tried all different stuff. So it was a really great day of discovery, trying to figure out all different ways. 
at the end of the day, just heating it up and hammering it into a, a wooden buck that was similar in shape was really the only way to get it, at least with, with the tools we had. So that was a great day at Discovery, and it was, it was interesting hanging out with another maker. I would have given up and changed directions because I would like have this impending doom that I have to have it done fast. And he didn't seem to have that, which was something I, it was, it was enlightening. Mm, he's like, well, I need just, that. Let's try this. Let's try this. And I'd be like, well, we can just go that direction. We don't have to. He's like, no, no, I like this way. This looks like he was like on that and mm. he was going to figure that out. And we did. And so that was a great learning experience hanging out with those guys. So then I'm doing that and that's, I'm really far along on the go-kart. I, I thought maybe I could have it ready for this weekend, but I'm going to have it ready for next weekend for a video. This weekend, I think I might do a leather video. Um, anyway, so I'm going to be working on that. But the pool table's still well underway. I jumped back onto it late last night, moving some of the steps along. And today I'll make some more headway on the pool table. But the pool table is really out of the woods as far as all the technical nervousness that I had about the whole thing. So I'm, I'm really happy with the direction it's taken. It's, I think it's going to be a good build. It's really coming together. Is so it... How are you going to get it out the door and into another door? Well, the whole thing comes completely apart. Yeah. Yeah, even even the slate itself breaks down into three pieces. Gotcha. But to set it up each time is, is, is a complicated task. Me and Rob were thinking about that last night because originally it was going to go to the Las Vegas Woodworking Show in July, and it was that was a whole big thing. And then everybody realized the logistical investment and time and money, and they said, forget it. So... It's just going to be a video, and I'm going to keep the pool table, or I could sell it or give it away. But I have to figure out for the beauty shots, I'm probably just going to keep it set up right where it is. And then when I need that footprint, I'm going to get rid of it and mm -hmm. put it in storage or something. Because the concept of putting the felt on and all that stuff is a real big investment in time. But since um, I have the floor space in the shop, I'm probably just going to leave it in there. I'll probably leave it there for a couple of weeks Well. You know, just to relish in the idea of like, wow, well, I made a pool table. And then <laughs> once I stop my car with truck restoration, it's going to have to go. I'm going to fi figure out where to set it up. Well, I said it before, you know, it's never too late to put wheels on something. So you can always put wheels mm -hmm. on the pool table and just roll it from place to place. It might have to happen. It might have to happen in the shop because it would be a shame to take it completely apart to move it 10 feet. You know, and obviously we're not going to be having tournaments in my shop but we could leave it in the shop on small set of wheels so, you know put it on piano you ever see those piano movies it's like a little it's a little tiny dolly that goes underneath each foot of something heavy they're like usually three of them three little wheels on a in a little dish mm -hmm. oh so, yeah yeah i could probably do that it's a good point i've got those under the plasma table right now so i can roll it around yeah so that's a good idea so i'll probably do that the floor in there is pretty flat so it would be at least good enough but like i said if if I was going to hold a competition, I'd have to have it really set up. Anyway, I'm just thinking out loud. You, you could put a motor on it and take it to the racetrack. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> it, could be, it could be next year's go-kart. Yeah, that's a good idea. No, so the build's coming out good. It was like, it's just that mental hump that you put on yourself, and you think to yourself, oh, I'm never going to be able to figure this out. And then you just, like, chip away at it. It's just like chip, 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 and then all of a sudden, you're, oh, wow, I'm past the hardest part. I didn't even realize it. So that, that's, that's what's been going on. You know, that's always the case. Chipping away at the hardest part. Oh, and I put the house video up, the video where I introduced the house that me and Howard bought. And it's fun. I got a lot of people 
write me about the historical aspect of the house. A lot of people doing some research on the graveyard, which is great. So, one step at a time, chipping away at it. When, uh, I mean, we don't have a topic. So your pool table now doesn't have a deadline. So when does that build end? In you a know, year and a half from now. I, right? Because you... No, no. I'm going to try and get it done in, by July, the end of July. Yeah. Is there... Will it be done, done? Or I, I always feel like a lot of the projects that I do, I could keep going on. I could keep adding little embellishments. I could refine this. I could do the finish better on this. But it's the deadline that makes me stop. No, once it's done, it's once it's done, it's going to be done. Because it'll look good. It's, it's, <laughs> That's no, a very seriously. Yoda thing to say, man. Yeah. <laughs> once it's done, it's going to be done. It is. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. I, I, it's not like the the boat with the boat. You could just keep finding so many things. I, I feel the pool table is you just as long as the top clean edge is clean and the felt's not ripped and the bumpers are right, it's it. Hmm. You know, it's not the type of it's like it's just it's there to present the, the slate. It's not the kind of thing where you keep looking at it and you know once it's set up, it's really more of like a you presenting the game and that's it. Yeah, if that makes sense. Bob, will the gear ever be see- done? Oh man. Um I don't think so. Yeah. I think it will be one of those things that just moves along in stages but always has some other thing. Cuz I was thinking about this <clears throat> a couple weeks ago. Even if I get you know, I got the body all fixed up, I got it painted, I got it put back together, I got the engine rebuilt, I got the mechanical stuff in place so that it could be drivable. Well, then I could theoretically drive it home and then do all the interior work at home where it's easier to get to, where it's more, you know. And if if you have something that is drivable but not complete, where like you're saying, where is the the impetus to, like, do the next stage, like, to really finish it off? And I think even if you did the interior stuff, then there's, like, trim pieces. And, like, you know, they're not really necessary, but they make it look nice. But, you know, you do those. And then there's like, well, I mean, you could add this little thing over here, maybe. But so I don't know. I don't know if it's ever going to be finished or if it's just one of those kind it's, of. It brings up a funny story. Will it ever be finished? Because a couple of people saw the daunting, the daunting task I've taken on with this house. And it, I said to Howard, I said, look, if we buy this house, even if we do nothing to it, zero and to sit on it for two years we will definitely make some money but in the meantime there's absolutely going to be some content to be had and there's definitely going to be some progress in the in the workings of fixing it up there's no doubt maybe it won't be completely done in two years or in a year from now but that could change if you know maybe i find an investor that's like you know what i want to invest in this i love this idea i love this content and then here's a million dollars you know that's unlikely, but it's not out of the realm of possibilities but just getting to the first step of getting your hands on it in my opinion, it's a huge step. Some people want to have all those ducks lined up before anything, and I'm just not the type of person to make that plan. But in the comment section, everyone's like, whoa, this is incredible. You're never going to be able to finish this. And maybe so, but in the meantime, we're here now, and I'm working on it, and I'm enjoying it, and I'm enjoying the place. I actually feel like a a real, uh, not to get too mushy, but I feel like a real connection to the place. And uh, I enjoy being there, and it's fun. It's just a fun project to consider and 
and I'm, I'm working with a set of guys that are going to help me do the foundation. It's going to be the first big task. They're on another job, and as soon as they're done, they're going to get over here. So it doesn't seem like much is happening, but it's only because I have to do that before I do other stuff. And there's going to be a lot of that, hurry up and wait. But the idea of, will it ever be done? You know, it's, a good, it's a good title name. Will it ever be done? Maybe, maybe not. But I'm not going to be overly anxious about that. I noticed a couple comments were like, whoa, I, 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 this is never going to be done. We're like, what are you gonna, how are you really going to do this? I don't think that far ahead, obviously. But, well, I didn't think that far ahead about this house. And I've done so much to this house. You know, I've never really thought about this until just now. But what we do for a living is finish things. Like, we make a project and then we have to finish it. We have to get it to some point whether it's actually finished or finished enough for TV, it's like it's done and then we get rid of it and then we move on to the next thing. And so in my mind, like when you're asking about the gear, and I think the house is probably the same thing for you, having that thing that is just, it's always there for you to continue to chip away at actually feels kind of good. Because if I were to finish the gear tomorrow, I would be like, huh, well, I always wanted a Gia, and now that's done. I mean, that's kind of like how I felt with R2-D2. It took two years to do that, and then all of a sudden it was like, oh, well, R2-D2 is done. Hmm. <laughs> that's kind of not cool because it was a thing I always wanted. Not that I wanted to have. I wanted to do it, and once I was done doing it, I don't really care about having it so much. I had that you know? same feeling with the boat. It was there for so long, and then once it was done, I was like, let me go work on the boat. I'm like, oh, it's gone. Oh. It's like a sense of freedom, but a sense of nostalgia. And uh, that's why I talked, I blew my, I, I blew my, my uh, I bragged on too much about buying that antique car that I really wanted. Then I got into a little bit of a quarrel with the guy that sold the car and I didn't like the way he spoke to me and I felt like he was being disrespectful. So I just literally backed out of that car deal completely because of the way I was spoken to. This guy was trying to take, he was a little bit of a controlling personality and he got short with me and I said, that's it, it's over. You can go sell the car to somebody else. But also I had been thinking, I have this house, which is needs 100% of my time and this car that I've been in love with, this model, not this particular car, and here's an opportunity to get one and that would have needed 100% of my time. So when I looked at both of them, I'm like, what am I going to, I'm just going to be spinning my wheels on both of them. Neither one of them are going to get really the attention they want. I could own the car and just park it and not touch it for two years or just not buy it at all and find one when I have the time to devote to it. And that's, and then the the owner getting short with me and me just deciding, okay, back out of this. It's a good sign. So there, I was just confronted with two never ending projects. And I was like, why don't I just have one never-ending project with a slight chance of potentially coming to an end eventually? And that was part of that decision in the springtime. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, yeah, we only we have limited focus, we have limited resource, we have limited time, and trying to do too many things at once for me it doesn't work. But also moving from completed thing to completed thing constantly feels a little exhausting and it's like it's it it makes it so that when i look back not in the moment but when i look back on the things that i did a few months ago that i just did a project and it was done that feels really distant and kind of not important 
and not useful because it was just a moment in time, not a year or two or not a long-term kind of thing. But then when I think about the things that have taken a long time, like R2-D2, they mean a little bit more because I had to invest a lot more. And um, it was a phase of life rather than like a week of life. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So maybe that is a little cheesy and overly dramatic to think about it that way. But I mean, this is what we do. And we invest a different amount of time and energy and focus and all that stuff into each one of these things we make. And so the longer term stuff, it requires more of all of those things, meaning that it took more from us, which we have a different attachment to it. I do anyway. And I, I think the cars are a new, a totally, and I know you've, you've had cars, Jimmy, that you've worked on different stages. You've had a different relationship with vehicles than I've had my whole life. And so I think for me, getting interested in working on a car, knowing that it's like a five, 10 year long project, that's a whole new thing for me. That's something I am just not used to. And that's been why it's been both exciting and kind of frustrating and fulfilling and all those types of things. It's just a different, not only is the work different, but it's like a different scale of thing than I've ever done. Yeah. It means something different to me. I don't know. With something like that, you got to, you obviously look at the whole picture, but then you also have to just say, okay, I'm just going to flatten the dents today. I'm just going to fill in the cracks or I'm just going to work on the foundation. You just got to really compartmentalize and stop worrying about the entire thing at the same time. Move everything along mentally if you have to, you know, by logistically planning. Like, for instance, I'm also working on the barn. I'm waiting for my team to be available so we could frame the barn. And so I bought the wood. This I saw last week. I had a bunch of wood on my truck last weekend. And I got the wood. And then also I got, uh, I ordered $10,000 worth of flooring to put this, it's going to cost me $10,000 to put the second floor flooring in. So it's just, everything is just so daunting. But by putting it on order and having it manufactured, and once it's ready, and once it's ready, it'll be here. And then once my team is available to put things together, everything's ready. So I've been doing the logistics behind the scenes, getting ready for my team. They're on another project and when they're done, they're going to come here and work on that. And the foundation, a lot of things, a lot of things. Everything's going to get worked on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's um, just incredibly expensive and time-consuming. Yeah, that, that is a lot. It's a lot of investment in both of those things. Um, I don't know if I've told you all about this. I probably did at some point over the past couple of years. But during COVID, February, January and February of 21, I think, I started working on this little electronics project. And it was a cool idea, and it was really difficult, but I had time to figure it out. And it's been sitting right in front of where this camera is on my desk for two and a half years. <laughs> it's been, like I got it 75, 80% done, and you know it was like working, functional, and then I set it there going, okay, now what do I do with it? How do I, what's the next step? How do I make a video about it? How do I... And it's like, it's complex. It's a, it's probably at the top level of complexity of any, any electronics thing I've ever built. And it's cool. And so it's been sitting there for two and a half years. And, um, every six months or so I go, yeah, I should really like do the next stage. I should put that in the place that needs to go and start testing it and start, you know, there's the next level of work to be done on it and just never do. And for some reason on Monday, 
I had time and I just, you know what? I'm going to do the thing. And so I spent, I don't know, 45 minutes modifying this thing and putting it up where it, it I know it doesn't make sense because I can't tell you what it is yet. Come but on, <laughs> just say it. I, no, I can't. But so I put it up and did the next step of the thing and it took like 45 minutes to do. And now it's, it's not done, but it's usable. And it's such a weird thing. Where did you find 45 minutes? To look back minutes? at that. I, yeah, I know. Well, Monday. I just happened to have hmm. 45 minutes. But it's just really weird that something like that, the step forward was really small. But it took me so long to just, you know, like just to dedicate a little bit of time to it, to move it forward that one step. And it's still not done. I still can't make a video about it. I But at least I have an idea and I can start to do the testing I need to do and all this type of stuff. It's just a weird thing because it's, it's, uh, it's something I kind of like I did work on and then I kind of wrote it off. Like, I just, I don't know. I don't know what the next step is. It's like if I got the gear to a point and was just like, well, I don't know. I don't know how to put it back together. <laughs> I guess it'll just sit here forever, you know? Um, so I, I don't know. Have you ever had anything like that where you, you got it to like 80, 90% and then it just set forever and you kind of... Every single thing I've ever made. That's not true. <laughs> I mean, I know like you get to a point, like on the boats you've done, you do a lot of work for a long time and then it gets to a point where it's like kind of stuck or kind of well, monotonous or a funny, whatever. But A funny aspect, the boat itself was done on camera, looks great, right? It's done, it works, it floats. But the finish itself needs to be sanded and painted like six more times. And I was like, I don't have the time. I want to just get the video put in. So every time somebody sees the boat and they're like, oh, it's so beautiful. I'm like, it needs to be sanded and painted yeah. like five more times. The last like, 10% I, is 90% of the project. I think, why do I feel compelled to keep telling everybody that? Just don't say it. I just said it on the podcast. So if you ever see my boat, you touch it, you know I'm ready to put seven coats of paint on it. It just doesn't have that built-up glassy coat. But then again, to me, I always say, we're going to get a perfect, it's going to get banged up putting in the water anyway. Which is funny, because this week Nick sent me a message. He was asking me some technical questions. Nick Offerman about the the canoe that he made on camera 10, 12 years ago that I filmed him making. Shit, that was like 15 years ago. Two thousand. How long ago was 2008? And, and so he was showing me, he was asking me some technical questions about epoxy. And I was blown away at how beat up that canoe is. He was showing me holes in it that got like punched through the thing because he he really uses it. And the keel was cracked down the middle. And he was just showing me, he's like, these are some of the repairs I'm making on it. Am I going in the right direction? Because he hasn't used epoxy in years. But this particular brand. And I was just really blown away at how used that canoe gets and how much, how many repairs. He was finally, he said, I finally have a minute to fix this thing so but i was just amazed how beat up it gets so that saying that i'm worried about the perfect finish on my boat it doesn't matter it's it floats and it's sealed it's got like four coats of paint on it, it needs like four more technically speaking so i can get a build up so i can get a sand and a polish in it all that doesn't matter well i mean would doing that work make it less vulnerable to damage 
Uh, maybe, or but is you, it just it's, aesthetic? It's, it's just aesthetic because ma- mm. it's just maintenance. You're going to have to do it again and again and again anyway. So if I decide mm. to use that boat more often, which is probably unlikely because it's not my lifestyle, but if it does get used more often, it would need it to be it would need to be sanded and painted every spring if it gets used a lot. That type of thing. It's just maintenance. Oh, I just had an idea. It's a bad yeah. idea, but I'm going to tell you well, anyway. So um, you, <laughs> this is stupid. You need a, you need to build a pond. And a good place to do that would be around the graveyard. There's, so a, pond, could... there's a pond right near it. Oh, is it really? Yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, if you well, see I was going to make a joke the... about building a pond over the graveyard. But... <laughs> no, there's one about 300 feet away from it. If you, uh, I did a couple of nice drone shots in the opening sequence, and you could see the pond right behind the barn. It's like kind of behind the barn next to the graveyard. Is that on your property? It's the pond. The pond is on the new new property, the graveyard house. Yeah. Wow. It's not huge. It's it's little. It's enough to maybe get a couple of shots of like a boat in there. But it's it's like it seems like a little man-made pond to just go mm. swimming in. That whoever owned it in the past made it. That's um, cool. Cool, cool. Um, well, and let's see. I talked about the gear. Oh, uh, small update that nobody asked for about a compressor. Uh, remember, I was telling you I was looking at a compressor for the plasma table. I got the plasma table hooked up this week. I got mm-hmm. electricity run to it mm-hmm. um, and got it all good to go except for air. And so I've been still trying to find a compressor that wasn't like astronomical that would give it enough air. I finally found one <clears throat> last week and I guess over the weekend. And I ordered it at, at a place. Do you all have Rural King? Mm-hmm. No. Do you all have that? Yeah. It's like it. a tractor supply type yeah. store. Anyway, we have that here. They had oh, this compressor. I've been to one. I've been to one. Yeah. They had this compressor cheaper, like $200 cheaper than anybody else for some reason. I don't know why. So I ordered it and then was going to go pick it up the next day. And then I got all my money returned and apparently they didn't have it in stock, <laughs> which mm. I guess is why it was cheaper. Um, so I had to switch gears. I found another one that's a little bit more expensive, but it's like free delivery and whatever. Anyway, so now it's supposed to be showing up today, which is earlier than I thought, which is cool. But that means that I'll finally have everything I need to try out the plasma table. I'm pretty excited about that. Um, so I got to come up with a couple. I have a couple of project ideas that are, you know, they're kind of ambitious, probably for just having gotten this tool and never tried it out. <laughs> Uh, maybe biting off a little bit more than I can chew, but I'm going to jump in and try to figure out how to use it quickly and use it enough, you know, to do these couple little things. But will you be making cut paths in Fusion, or what? Kind of, how do you? What is the software? Uh, they recommend something called SheetCam. I think is what it's called. Oh and yeah. It's kind of. Yeah. I have never used it, but I know people do use it. It's kind of it's kind of like a Mach Four for for that type of stuff. Yeah. Well, I think it's more of like the. You still use Mach 4 for oh, the oh, machine control. Oh, all right, so this is the design software. Yeah, Gcam, I think, is kind of just the 2D cut path stuff. Um, you generate your G-code and then still send it through mm-hmm. Mach 4. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm pretty excited about that. It's a, just a new thing, you know, new world that I haven't messed with yet. And I'm, Your first project, what, what thickness of metal are you thinking? Um... It really should be like three eighths. Whoa, that's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's thick. Wow. Yeah. I don't think I'll start with that for my first test cuts or anything, but 
it should be probably three eighths, maybe quarter inch. I might be able to get away with, but um, it might say it in your in your in your paperwork for the machine. But a lot of people reminded me because I was lazy in the beginning. You really need a good uh, moisture trap, something to eliminate the moisture in your system. And Torchmate sells this big thing. It takes like looks like crystals where it all goes through it. It's like a really high capacity moisture removing filter you need a moisture filter basically yeah i've been told that and i'm planning on getting one but then i also saw um a forum post by one of the guys that works at the company hypertherm Mm -hmm. that makes Mm -hmm. the the torch and this this particular torch that i have apparently is really good at taking out it has some sort of internal dryer thing there you go um, he was like, yeah, I mean, you could certainly add another dryer, but this one does a pretty good job of, you know, handling that for you. Oh, there you cool. go. That's, that's right. so, I think I'll still get one. Just it seems like it would be good just to have regardless. You can't get it too dry, you know. Yeah. So Also helps to empty out the air compressor once in a while. Yeah, that drives me bananas. Like a, they make compressors and they make these little valves so you can exact the water. It's at the very bottom and they're usually impossible to turn. They're the size of the end of a pencil tip. And then when you can turn them, the rust clogs them immediately. It's like, is there, is there a better way? Hmm. To, it, it's like they totally don't deal with that aspect of a compressor at all. It's like, oh, oh yeah, it collects water. We got to get the water out. Let's get the smallest fitting we could possibly find. Put it in the most inconvenient spot we could possibly find, one inch away from the floor. So we have to tilt over a six hundred pound machine to get at the, the nozzle. The the Everything one I have at the farm, it's a big craftsman. The one thing that I really liked about it is it still has the rust problem, but that nozzle has an extension that comes out through one of the legs, and so the little the little valve that you open is outside of it so you don't have to get underneath it or anything that's but it's still the same size it's still you have to use basically a a wrench to like get your hand hand around it to be able to turn it enough to you know release it once the rust gets in there but um and i don't understand i don't know if i told you all this or not but the the big that same compressor that's like maybe a year old um the check valve at the top failed and this is at the top, so the air comes back up into the, you know, the output system. And so it was leaking constantly for something that's a year. And I'm holding this up. Everybody listening can't see this, but look at that. This is the check valve out of that thing, less than a year old, that's been emptied. I, I never left air in it. And it's like rusty on the top. This is not at the bottom of the tank. And it's brass or some, you know not brass but some version of it's not steel or anything but it is covered in rust and it doesn't make any sense to me that something like that should be able to happen to something new so i had to order a new one. Oh yeah that um, one definitely looks like brass the other one looks like it could be steel looks like it could yeah, be like I think a grade 8 coated metal yeah i think that's what it is it it's definitely not brass but it's kind of brass colored it has that yellowish yeah, grade, like grade 5 grade 8 something like that yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> But anyway, it's just weird that I totally agree with you. The internals of those things, they have compressed air that's going to leak moisture. So why isn't the moisture like handled? <laughs> that should be handled better. It's another thing. Now, now, I'm, now I'm venting my pet peeves, but the, I've been welding a lot this week, and it's crazy to me. And I don't. I wish I had a better solution. I, I'm going to complain about something that I don't have the solution to. But 
the welding companies, the companies that make welding equipment, when you look on their website, they always show a beautiful welder. They never show the cables. But when you get the welder, there's like an octopus of cables coming out of it. Not even one thought given to like what comes out of what. Like if I had, if, I, if it was up to me to make a welder, the ground cable would come out of the back of the machine and the important part would come out of the front of the machine. Only because they're right near each other, they're constantly getting tangled together. Mm. So it drives me crazy. If one like came out of the opposite, I actually have taken some of my machines and zip tied the 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 grounding clamp to the back of the the cart so that it, it always gets wrapped up near there versus wrapped up near the front next to the other thing wrapped up near the front. So cable management is something that I'm always on about. I don't have a good solution. I'll just do what seems to work for me, but. It's always like, yeah. oh, we have a place to hang your cables. It's it's like it's like selling a car, and an accessory would be the front seat. Like, <laughs> you want this beautiful car? Would you like to pay extra for a seat? <laughs> of course, I want to pay extra for a seat. I need a seat. It's like, of course, I want cable management hooks. You need them. I have a question you for them you. F- um, drag on the floor. Plasma table question. So, I, I could look this up, but um, the ground clamp from the plasma torch. Mm-hmm in my mind, could go to the bed because it's aluminum <laughs> with steel Ship. fins yeah. and then you're putting a piece of metal on top of that. They all recommend clamping it directly to the workpiece. Is there a reason why you wouldn't just put it to the machine <clears throat> or to the bed, I guess? <clears throat> oh, sorry. I want to mute that. Sorry, hold on. <laughs> Didn't mute that. You, it's, it's best if it goes to the piece because then there's no interference. As the, as the planks on the the bed begin to get gooied up and start to mm. get all types of, you're going to interfere with your connection. That's true. I guess they get cut a little bit too when there's a pierce and stuff. That being said, my, uh, my machine has a clamp, but it also has a cable that's connected directly to the machine. So my machine doesn't have to be clamped for years. I was clamping it because I thought I needed to. Then uh, after like, maybe it was about two years ago when the guys came to rebuild the table and I said, and I went to cut and I went to put the clamp on and he goes, you don't need to do that. I go, I always thought I needed to do that because that's maybe some instruction I might have saw online or whatever. He goes, no, you don't need to. He goes, you're already grounded. He goes, you can if you want. He goes, but it's not necessary. And I was like, okay, then let's make the cut without it. And it worked fine because the machine is grounded to the table Hmm. by some technical aspect of, you know, in the, uh, in the, the, the electrical belt. What is that thing called? I think that where the, all the electronics are in the belt that roll around on the CNC. Oh, like the drag chain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Somewhere it's in there. He's like, oh yeah, it's already grounded. I didn't, I didn't build the table. It came built, and then when he repaired it, I didn't really hang over him, so I didn't technically see and feel it. So that's why I didn't gotcha. realize it was already grounded. And it works fine. Occasionally, you get like a bad cut, and then you like the machine has to read. The metal. So if you bring in painted metal or really oxidized metal, I usually keep a grinder around and I'll just grind that spot so that it reads it. Like when yeah. you know it's going to touch down in the beginning of the G-code. Occasionally. And my machine has all types of sensors that are supposed to read the, the non-flatness and ride up and down at a consistent... And your machine probably has that too. Mm-hmm. It never works. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> ever mm. it'll bump into the thing because the the surface of the material has to be perfectly clean 
has to be able to read how far away it is at every aspect. So if you take a brand new piece of sheet steel that's not oxidized, not not um, you know that has the, the the slag on it, what do you what, there's like mill scale oh, stuff. mill scale. If the mill scale's on it, it doesn't work. It doesn't work well. This has huh. been my experience. People probably listening are going to say, "No, it works fine if you X Y Z." But in the beginning, when I was having trouble with all that, all those those auto automated height control stuff yeah torch would, height adjustment i think i have it all on on the computer screen and i hit play and it bump and the torch would fall off and then i'd reset and i turn it all off and then it would cut fine and then eventually with all them off it would bump and then i turn them all back on so one day chris zepp was with me and i go just try this and i turn them all on and it doesn't work and i go oh you know let's do this i turn them all off and then it works and then a couple of cuts later it bumps in. i'm like oh let's try it we turn them all back on and then it works fine so the machine can't make a decision about what it really wants out of life <laughs> I just Same know that if the, if the metal is bent, it's going to be problematic. So I just have these heavy, heavy, heavy weights if I can hold the sheet flat. So I'll put a heavy weight on, on, on extreme corners to get that belly out. And if there is a belly in the thing, and this is all about CNC plasma cutting now, if there is a belly in your machine, I just register that as the highest point as if that's my zero. Capiche? So that as the torch is going around, it's making all the other cuts too far away, but it's still cut. But it yeah. makes the, the cut where it's the highest will be the most beautiful cut. It might be the difference between, you know, 50 thousandths versus... Yeah, yeah, it's not a big gap. Yeah. Hmm. So anyway, so there's some torching. torching I'll probably lessons. have some questions for you as I get into this because yeah. I really don't know anything about it. <laughs> I'm just kind of <clears throat> flying blind. Uh, my machine has 40, 60, and 80 amps. I typically am always in 60 amps, and then I just slow the cut down for thick metal and speed it up for thin metal. That's it. So I always make my G-code the same. I always have the same intensity, everything. And then when it's really thick, you slow it down on the override. You know, some machines have an override. I don't know if Mark IV does, but you can override the inch per second to slow it really down. Far down. I, I always start all my cuts on G-code at 100 inches per second, I think it is. 100 minute. inches a minute, 100 inches a minute, and then I just slow it down or speed it up. Gotcha. Listen. Okay. We'll see. I'll keep you posted. I know uh, that machine gets a lot of good reviews, so a lot of people like that machine you have. Yeah, so every, you know, I'm sure there's any little problems is just you know, getting used to how it works. Yeah, I mean, they've always been really avid. CNC is who we're talking mm -hmm. about. They've always mm -hmm. been really great with support for us and you know, answering questions and stuff. Do you so, have a plan to make a, I have no, a video when it's up and running or is it, you're just going to use it in a project? I'm just going to use it in projects. Yeah. I don't, I don't really think it as a standalone video of just like, look, a machine, I don't think it would be worthwhile, mm. but um, yeah, I just want to use it to show people that it's something that is possible. And obviously people are not all going to go out and get a plasma table, but it's, it was a, for me to get the table was a big internal step for me to be like, okay, I'm going to stop trying to avoid using tools that I think would be a good solution just for accessibility. Mm -hmm. I don't want to always be make things that are inaccessible, but also, and I think we've talked about this before. I just don't want to be, I don't want to limit myself to things that everybody has access to, or most people have access to, you know, mm -hmm. it's just, I have ideas. I'm going to try those ideas. So. By the way, I got a thunder laser and I love it. Oh yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, they sent one over. I'm going to do a video for them. It's a great machine. 
yeah, it's the 51 it really inch it's incredible it's huge mm-hmm. it's humongous but it's like a smart car yeah type. it's like as big as a smart car and i haven't mentioned too much about this but rob has been doing a really bang up job over at the shop we went we went through the list of machines i have sitting around and i probably mentioned this we're getting rid of like 15 20 machines that we don't use and then we're just selling them we're putting them on facebook market and rob's handling all the, the buys and sells we got rid of two machines yesterday the carrier came and picked up two pallets Machines that just don't use. I've had them now. It's like when you look in your junk drawer and you're like, I haven't even touched this in two years. Let me get rid of it. I have these giant machines taking up like 10 square feet. I'm like, I haven't used it. Let's get rid of it. So we're really cutting the herd down really, really far. And the reason I'm bringing that up is because my Thunder Laser came off a truck where I needed a forklift. So we put it over at that shop. So it's down the block. It's not in my backyard. And logistically, it's a... We're going into summer, so it'll be fine. But when it comes to winter, I'm going to have to probably bring it over here. Cause the, what kind of machines are we talking about? I'm getting rid of stapling, bookbinding machines, oh. like more like factory process bookbinding yeah. machines. I have a, I have a big giant Landis sewing machine that will sew through the sole of a shoe. It's for sewing the welt on a shoe, which I, I got. I literally got it for free, but I got it working, and I thought Taylor would use it, but we never did. So I'm going to get rid of that, and. Uh, a radial arm saw, 18-inch radial arm saw, which is something I always wanted since I was a kid. I got it, and I never plugged it in or used it because I'm just too scared I'm going to like lose my upper torso to it. <laughs> and, uh, like, you know, I get things that just look good on camera. I use them one time, and then it's time to move on. So, so do you think once you start cleaning out space like that, do you think you'll continue on to actually cut down to what you use on a regular basis? We're definitely going to be more discerning. Absolutely. Me and Rob made that decision. Be more discerning. Like, I don't want to take bookbinding stuff just because it's there. Because I've gone through all the bookbinding stuff now, and I know what I want to use. I know there's a couple of key little hand tools I need. I don't need the big machines for punching holes and stuff. And, you know, like, oh, that's cool. Let me try it. I get it. I try it. I'm like, how can I put this into operation and make money with it? And then I realize I really can't. And then it just sits there. Or some machines, like I got a Bostitch staple machine, which is a great machine, but it's so buggy. You can't run like 10 staples without it getting jammed. And I was just like, it's enough for me to never touch it again. So it, it starts with a spool of wire and then turns the wire into staples it's a really interesting machine from the 50s but again this is so buggy it just keeps jamming up you're gonna have a hard time selling that one if you tell everybody that's buggy (laughs) it works no no i'm just kidding that one that one we're probably going to give away because it's only a couple hundred dollars that i paid for it and in the right hands of the right person that knows how to unbug the staple machine it's it's not there's nothing broken about it it's just like there's so many adjustments on it it's more fun to sell an individual poster than a a bound up book that type of thing so i'm being i'm going to be more discerning going forward and frankly i mean i see and i see my dad my dad has become a bad hoarder and he's got so many tools and we're giving a lot of them away but at this point a lot of them are useless because my dad doesn't have room so all of his stuff is outside the weather has overtaken a lot of the, the usefulness of drills and and electrical equipment and and I look at that, I'm like, is this is what's going to be me in 25 years? I got to like pull it and get mm. rid of stuff. And so I, I am a hoarder as a joke. Yes, 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 I'm a hoarder, but I'm really working hard to keep that in check. And I'm not buying things just to buy them. And, you know, my old mantra was keep all your supplies at the store because, you know, they're going to be there and they're going to be organized and well kept. <laughs> yeah. 
you know, I'm walking through my, my dad's house this weekend. He's like, oh, this is a great pile of wood. I said, dad, throw it all away. Because it's pointless. What are you going to... There's nothing in there that you need. It's all been outside, too. It's all wood that's been outside. Yeah, that could be the, the greatest piece of oak. Get rid of it. Just go buy a piece of oak when you need a piece of oak. It's because it's going to be smooth, clean, dry, no bugs, no nothing. Just throw it all away. But he's of that mindset where it's here now. Let's deal with it. Let's not have to go buy it again. You know, but it's a different mindset now. So... Anyway, I don't want to become that. Yeah, I mean that's that's a great thing to be aware of for any of us, you know, in whatever capacity. Like, I know it's it's a different thing, but if you look behind me, there's a bunch of old toys stacked up right here. Mm -hmm. I mean, I collect. I've always collected toys, and we've talked about this before. But these are all out because I'm going to sell them. I'm going to get rid of them because even though I enjoy looking at some of the things and I have nostalgia about some of the things, a lot of it is just. I still have them because I still have them, not because I actually continue to look at them or enjoy them or whatever. And, you know, it's one of those things like when my kids have to go through that box of stuff, they don't care about that stuff. And so they're just going to take it to Goodwill to get rid of it, which means they're going to be getting rid of money that they don't realize they're getting rid of things they don't realize are worth money. And so if I, at least now sell them off for what they're worth, I can use that money to, you know, put my kids college funds or whatever just yeah. so that it's it's a simple thing everybody's got their stuff that they hang on to for whatever reason but it's great to be aware of you know the reality of it i guess and then also we have i rent half of a storage unit which is full of aaron's personal belongings his family's gone through it taken out what they want and me and Rob just have not confronted it. And now yesterday or this week, beginning of this week, Rob went started going through it. I went I spent an hour there last night going through it. And he's got 40 tup forty bins, Tupperware bit. What do you call them? Those like Rubbermaid yeah. bins, like maybe 40 or 50, just full of personal stuff from when he moved from San Francisco. And it's all just like tchotchkes. It's so funny. Aaron was so similar to me. He's got like one knife. He's got 10 of them. He's got one Sharpie that he likes, like one type. He's got 20 of them. And... So every box has everything in it. There isn't like one box that's, it's just like a box with, and it's so cute. You know, Aaron, he'd like get into like wanting to learn chisels. So he'd buy a bunch of books on chisels and Japanese chisels and Japanese. And so every box has got like a little bit of like, you know, this intention to learn something new in it. And uh, so it's very, it's obviously very, uh, you know, nostalgic and, and sad in its own way. But at the same time, there's just so much stuff that would be better in somebody else's hands. So we're putting boxes together. And during the go-kart event, if anybody comes to the go-kart event July 1st, we're going to have a pallet and anybody wants any of that stuff can, can have at it. And we're taking out some of the stuff and obviously all the, you know, the personal belongings and artifacts that just keep us reminding us of him we're keeping for the shop. So we're separating it all out. But 90% of it is stuff that would be best in somebody else's hands. Yeah. And, you know, and it's also intermixed with personal photos. And so we're pulling all that out. We'll give that to his family and keep some of them. The cutest thing last night is going to make me cry. A child picture of Aaron when he was like six years old next to his grandfather. So it's like it's like one of these old frames you open it up and it's a picture of him and his picture of his grandfather, but he's like five years old. So I'm gonna I'm gonna put that I think I'm gonna put that in the house. That's so cool. yeah, it's just, it's just so much stuff that his family just I think they just gave up. They were just too emotional. There's so many little things that I'm sure they would still want. So we're, we're pulling all that out. And then I'm gonna have all the stories back. Like out of those fifty bins, I'm literally gonna keep one of them, but just the personal stuff and everything else is gonna go. 
and lots of junk. Like there's like half-used pads that don't have anything interesting in it, you know, stuff like that. It's, it's just all yeah. going to get tossed. It's important, although it's really difficult. It's important. Sure. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, let's wrap this right. one up. Um, I want to thank our Patreon supporters, especially one that has been supporting us for a long time, but at the top level for several weeks, and I just missed his name. Sean Beckner. Beckner. Sean. I just missed adding you to the list to say your name, and I apologize. So I'm publicly saying your name, Sean Beckner, several times. Sean Beckner. Sean Beckner to make Sean up Beckner. for it. Sean Beckner. Uh, but he's just one of the people that uh, support us over there. And one of the original possible. Bandsaw Cowboys, too. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I started the hashtag Bandsaw Cowboy, and Sean jumped in right away, and, and Jeremy Speck, and a bunch of other people. Yeah, so the Bandsaw Cowboy crew is in uh, uh, Dave Bauer. There's a couple. There's a bunch of us. I can't think of everybody. But that's – and I, I've been – I've taken a break from the from the – Instagram stuff, but I'm going to jump back in this very soon. I'm, I have another series in mind. I'm going to do a series of bandsaw cutouts. So I'm going to do that. Cool. Right on. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Sean Beckner is just one of the people on the list uh, that I want to thank. Uh, the top supporters over there are Crabtree Creative, The Weber and Should Works, Michael Menegin, Warren Works, Stu Morrison, The New Janky Workshop, Scott Orham, Odin Leather Goods. Rich at Lowen Designs, Chad's Custom Creations, Chad from Mancrafting, Works by Solo, Albers Woodworks, Corey Ward, and Sean Beckner. Thank you. Make sure that I say Sean Beckner. Beckner, Beckner. Uh, but there's also other people over there like Tom Funk that help us out, that make it possible for us to do the show, and we are really grateful. Everybody at every level gets the after show. Uh, I don't know what we're going to talk about today, but I'm sure we'll come up with something. Maybe I can give a tease for my... my uh, two-and-a-half-year-long project that I was talking about. Um, it's another show after this show that only Patreon supporters get. 10, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever of us just telling secret stuff. So if you want to get that, if you want to join that crew, help out the show, go to patreon.com slash making it and help us out. We would appreciate it. Do you guys have anything to recommend? Yeah, I've said it before. I'm going to say it again. Neil Pask. Check out Pask Makes. Neil's got the childlike curiosity that is just so important for any artist. And I didn't know Neil was a house painter for years. Oh. And he credits me, among others, to starting his YouTube channel. He He makes some really cool stuff. It's great. And I love that he just challenges himself and goes, let me figure out how to do that. And like then it's all about learning how to do that. Whether it's the right way or the wrong way, he gets it done. And and there is no wrong way you know they say if it works it ain't stupid so neil's it's just and then besides that just a sweet guy we had a really i think we had a surprisingly great time together he and i and and corin and then derek came over and some other friends in the cast of characters came and (laughs) we went over to chris zapp had a get together out at his house and out of his workshop out in long island so those guys we all drove down together to that so it was a lot of fun just a a lot it was a really good good weekend for them that's funny how you said that. It was like, yeah, we had a really good time, the three of us. And then Derek came over. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, trying to, I'm remembering. I'm remembering the... Uh, and then it was like so-so, you know, because yeah, Derek was there. But was, We had a really sweet time. Uh, one thing I will say about Pask Makes, I can think of at least two, maybe three times where I've had a good idea. 
And I thought, oh, I should look this up to make sure nobody else has done it. And I've looked it up, and he has a better version of the idea <laughs> than what I was going to make. And I've gone, dang it, well. <laughs> he said, I, I, have, I have one of my little notebook dumps, and he, he said, oh, this is, these are some of my most recent ideas from my last trip. And he's looking at me, he's like, oh, I think I might make one of these. I just want to let you know it's on my list, too. I was like, yeah, yeah, it's cool. He's like, oh, there's another one. I think I might make this one, but it won't be the same as yours. I'm like, yeah, don't worry about it. So, so you can make them all. I don't care. I said, it'd be great to see you make all my ideas. <laughs> I joke with him because he sounds like Ringo. He's got a ring of stars and talks like this. Everything goes oh, up. No. Everything goes up at the end of the question. So we were goofing on his voice all weekend long. Bob and Brad, like I mentioned earlier. And then I got one more. Um, this guy named Jimmy emailed me and said, you need to check out this channel called Just in the Trees. And pretty cool little channel. He's making this map of the United States. And each state, he's, make, he's using wood from that state. And this is a series of videos that he's doing. So it's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Um, mine is actually two separate videos by different friends of mine. <clears throat> so I, I talked to a few weeks ago about my friend Jeremy Fielding. We've talked about him before, but uh, he does he's an engineer, does all sorts of really cool stuff. Well, he reached out a few months back and had this project going on. He wanted some help painting it, and it was not something that I thought I would do a great job on. But I connected him with Brian from the Smuggler's Room to do the painting because Brian is awesome at that stuff. So. The two of them both put out videos about this project working with um, Magic Wheelchair. Is that what it's called? I'm blanking on the... Yeah, Magic Wheelchair. They made, instead of a wheelchair, they made a desk, a wheelchair accessible desk for this lady who was really into Doctor Who. And so they worked with SolidWorks. They designed this crazy looking desk. It's like it's crazy looking and they had to get all the parts manufactured on these gigantic resin printers in China and shipped over here and then Jeremy did a bunch of fabrication to get the whole thing working together and then he sent it to Colorado for Brian to paint and Brian made it look real and then they sent it back and Jeremy brought it up to Illinois I think and dropped it off and then came back and hung out here for a day on his way back which was awesome to hang out but they both have videos about their parts of it um, and it's just, it's a crazy looking project and they both just knocked it out of the park. So put links to both of those things, both fantastic channels and a really cool project that they work together on. Smarter Every Day, Jeremy Fielding was part of the bullet, first bullet thing. Have you seen Smarter Every Day's new video where he shoots a bullet I have bullet not seen the bullet, bullet one yet. Yeah. Dustin told me about it. I haven't watched it yet. Yeah. Jeremy was part of the team helping with technical setup. He was, I don't think he was in the video because I listened to it, but then I watched the very end of it. I was working. But it's an incredible video. Check it out. He shoots a bullet into another it's bullet. It's funny. So they explode in minute. In the video, he talks about people taking his content and repurposing it. And so he, he, he put his yeah. logo on the, on the thing. A couple days yeah. later, there it is on Reddit. Stolen. And then all the comments were like, this is what Destin was trying to say in the video. Um, it's it's funny. It's amazing footage. So, so good. I know he was. I haven't watched the video yet, but um, he we're good friends, and so we talk on a regular basis. And he was so excited. He called me one day and was like, "We did it. We hit a bullet with a bullet. I've been trying to do this for so long." <laughs> <I'm> so excited. <laughs> it was unbelievable. It really, it really is unbelievable. Really cool. Yeah. Cool. 
Well, um, I guess that's it for this one. Unless you guys thank got anything you, thank else. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time. <laughs> you didn't say you love them. <laughs> That's really good fast. enough. <laughs> I said it really fast. You gotta slow oh. it down. <laughs> oh, okay. Slow it down, you'll hear it.